We're going to read a lot of scriptures, but I want you to think in context, especially as we're going through the Old Testament, especially as we're talking about Him, what we've been trying to talk about is how this applies to me. How do, how do I make this stuff work in me? How do I become this? And I'll give you an example of what, what, what I mindset as we're reading through these things. Think about them. It says, and this is being said of God in Psalms 119.68, it says, You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. So what we see is that He is good and He does good. In other words, it's manifest. So, you know, if we're talking about these fruits of the Spirit, if you have peace, then you can put it on display. You can do those acts of peace that make for peace. You can do those things. Alright? If you have goodness, then you do good. That's, you know, and He is good. That's what He is. And if we're to become like Him, of course we see what that is. So as you're thinking about these Old Testament uh, things as we're going through them and thinking about these things that are being said of Him, also think about what that means to us when it says teach me your statutes. We know that He teaches us these things. He teaches us and He shows us what these things are. These things are what God is. And if we're to be like Him, we'll, to become, we'll become those things and we'll do those things. And guess what? We'll teach those things. And that's how we'll become like Him in these things. And you know, this next one is uh, uh, Exodus eighteen nine. Jethro rejoiced over all the goodness which the Lord had done to Israel in delivering them from the hand of the Egyptians. And we, as we're looking for what, you know, the, the question up there, what does the goodness of God do? Think about what's my goodness going to do? You know, what, what can I do with this goodness when I get a hold of a little bit of it? You know, this idea of delivery, that's something that God does with his goodness and think about you know how would i do that how would that look as i'm expressing this in my life all right this one on the right uh out of psalms 34 examine and see how good the lord is happy is the person who trusts him see that these things continue to tie back to this idea of trust and now trust is something that grows, but trust is also something that you choose. Has anybody ever seen anybody put trust in somebody who wasn't trustworthy? That wasn't just based on evidence then, was it? It was based on a choice. You know, we know we can choose these things. We choose faith. And it's easy to do it toward God because He is trustworthy. He is worthy of our faith. We have evidence that makes that make sense. But we also understand this concept as we're talking about relating in marriages. Do marriages work without trust? Okay? And do you or do you not have to choose that for that to work? Because are they going to display perfect trustworthiness all the time like God does? No. So you make that choice and you strengthen that relationship. So as we're thinking about these things. Now I'm going to speed it up, <clears throat> but that's the mindset I want you to have as we're going through these verses. All right, return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. Okay, and then look at what the results of His goodness can be. 
and you think about how would I show my goodness that would somehow help bring rest to somebody else? How would I strengthen a relationship here with my brother or with my spouse by doing these things? Uh, 1 Kings 8.66, on the eighth day, he sent the people away and they blessed the king. Then they went to their tents joyful and glad of heart for all the goodness that the Lord had shown to David, his servant, and to Israel, his people. And, you know, there again, think about, you know, this was a physical kingdom. They're seeing physical benefits uh, think about the, the idea of spiritual kingdom, where we are. Think about the idea of spiritual benefits and how His goodness does that for us. You know, how we have this idea of being joyful and glad of heart towards the goodness that He's shown to us by, by the gift of salvation. You know, our response to that. All right. Uh Here in Psalms 31, How great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, which you have wrought for those who take refuge in you before the sons of men. You hide them in the secret place of your presence from the conspiracies of man. You keep them secretly in a shelter from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has made marvelous his loving kindness to me in a besieged city. As for me, I said in my alarm, I am cut off from before your eyes. Nevertheless, you heard the voice of my supplications when I cried to you. O love the Lord, all you his godly ones. The Lord preserves the faithful and fully recompenses the proud doer. Look at who enjoys this goodness. You know, in this passage, um, we see it's uh, those that fear him. Uh, we see that, um, you know, it's those that um, take refuge in Him. It's those that basically trust Him, that have put their confidence in Him. Uh, I think it's interesting, you know, that He's talking about He's hiding them in the secret place of your presence from the conspiracies of man. You keep them secretly in a shelter from the strife of tongues. I think about this strife of tongues. Everybody think about when you're a kid, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me. So what are you, what are you telling your kid when you give them that little quote to go armed with confidence back into the fray? Don't worry about that. Have your confidence in this, right? Don't put your confidence in these things these other little kids are saying. Don't let that worry you. Put your confidence over here, right? And that's what you're saying. And when I think about that verse, that's, I'm like, yeah, you know, it, it, he's, he's given you shelter. His goodness can do so much. Uh, you know, having our confidences in the right place bears forth these fruits. Um. Let's see. All right. Jeremiah 31, 14. I will fill the soul of the priest with abundance, and my people will be satisfied with my goodness, declares the Lord. This idea of being satisfied, being in abundance. And there again, remember, he's talking to a physical people. 
Think about this in terms of the spiritual kingdom, spiritual promises, this place of being satisfied, being in abundance spiritually. Nehemiah 9.25, they captured fortified cities on a fertile land. They took possession of houses full of every good thing, hewn cisterns, vineyards, olive groves, fruit trees in abundance. So they ate, were filled, and grew fat, reveled and reveled in your great goodness. Um, You know, think about this in this idea of spiritual abundance. And and when we think about this idea of fruits of the Spirit, isn't isn't that what we like to think about? That life that abundantly possesses these things, that's filled with these attitudes that are obviously based in a foundation of trust and that confidence that comes through that in Him and just see where they were. You know, He did that physically for them and He will do that spiritually for us. Uh, Psalms 27:13. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. There again, he's talking about, um, you know, th- this is Old Testament passage, but do you expect, are you confident of this, that you can see the goodness of the Lord right now? And do you live like that? You know, is that your attitude? Are you expecting that from God, that this abundance, this supply that we see as a part of His way and His promises? So what does God's goodness do for us? And you just go back. I, I just you, you go back and pull out of those passages we just read. This is what it does. It teaches. It protects. It gives rest. It delivers. It gives joy. It satisfies, provides abundantly, makes happy. It strengthens. It preserves. That's what God's goodness does. And there's more that it does. But that's just out of those passages that we just read. Okay. Switching gears a little bit. You know, take a New Testament glance really kind of at our goodness. What, you know, what do we see in some of these New Testament verses? So Romans fifteen fourteen and concerning you, my brethren, I myself also am convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able also to admonish one another. Convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness. Now, this is to the Romans. Um. Are these perfect folks? We all know the answer. No. So, that you yourselves are full of goodness. They've embraced this attitude. Uh, they've embraced this fruit of the Spirit. They're full of that attitude. They're going to manifest that. And how does it manifest itself? It, you know, it looks like there's some things that follow in this verse. So, what does their goodness accomplish? And what's your goodness supposed to accomplish? All right. Second Thessalonians 1, uh, verses 11 and 12. To this end, also we pray for you always that our God will count you worthy of your calling and fulfill every desire for goodness and the work of faith with power so that the name of our Lord Jesus 
will be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. All right? One of the things that uh, we keep talking about and keep coming up is really right here. All right, have, have a look at that. Every desire and fulfill every desire for your goodness. And, and we think about this idea of desire. We usually think about it in the context, you know, well, that's, you know, our lusts or desires. That's where sin comes from. You know, that's where all our bad stuff comes from. But where does your good stuff come from fundamentally? You know, he's offering these gifts. He's offering these fruits. He's, it's, it's part of his gift to you. Are you going to embrace them? Well, are you going to, do you want them? Because if you don't want them, you're not really going to embrace them, are you? You're not going to, you're not likely to have them. It's a gift laying out there for you to get. He's not going to shove it down in, you know, shove it through your ears and, you know, that's not what happens here. You first got to want those things and when, and the work of faith with power. Well, the work of faith. You know, these things don't jump on you. It's, you know, like we've talked about with regard to our relationships with one another and with our spouses, those things are work. Right? But is it a work that has reward? Is it a work worth doing? And he tells us, absolutely. And he tells us of our salvation. Hey, these things just make good sense for you. When he tells us in Romans that it makes good sense for us to give ourselves as a living sacrifice in response to this gift, that's what it does. It makes good sense. This makes good sense. But you've got to start with wanting it, desiring it. And what good thing have you wanted and desired that didn't require really any work? I mean, you know. So... And, and look at the end. What's our, what's our purpose here? So that the name of our Lord Jesus will be glorified in us and you in Him. All right. In Ephesians 5, starting in verse 7, Therefore do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Now, when we were in the Old Testament, he, we, one of the, I think the first verse we got to said that He's teaching us these things. He teaches us what this is. We got to try to learn what these things are. What, you know, we've got to learn what goodness and righteousness and truth is he's telling us he's showing us and if we want to be pleasing to him we're going to become that like him and we're going to manifest that like him like we're told so what do we learn but without your consent I did not want to do anything so that your goodness uh, would not be in effect by compulsion of your own free will so we'll go back through these New Testament verses and we'll look at what we learn. We learn that it's our own free will. It's our choice. 
we want this fundamentally. You know, I think about this in terms of, you know, when your children are little, it just pleases you when they do what you, you know, I tell you to do it, you do it. I'm happy about that, you know. But I'm really, really happy when they grow up and they're doing what I want them to do because they've studied me, they care, they're honoring me, they want to know about me, and they want to know what I want them to do, and of their own free will and of their own choice, they do it. That will make you happy. And I can't help but believe that that is what he wants. Again, that we should desire goodness. That's what we learn. We learn that He teaches goodness and that we learn it. That's how it works. That we are supposed to be filled with it. And that it's, it is for His glory. That's the purpose of it. So, you know, as we go back through those verses out of the New Testament, we get that. All right? And if you look up this phrase, you know, this do good phrase, you know, so what's it mean to do good? We see what God's goodness is. We see kind of what our goodness is supposed to be like. We get some ideas about that. So what's it mean to do good? What do the instructions say? Trust in the Lord. This, excuse me, is in Psalm 37. I think the next verse also is as well. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Later on in the chapter, depart from evil and do good, so you will abide forever. You know, it's not just a good enough to just quit being the bad guy, you know, to put to death the old man of sin. What do we got to do? We got to put on Christ. So it's not just enough to stop the bad. We got to do the good. And again, yet another verse talking about trust in the Lord. That comes first and do good. And Evan has talked about this a good bit lately. Cultivate this idea, cultivating faithfulness. You know, he, he Evan is our ag student. He likes to talk about these things. You know how you grow, how this works. You know how how growing works. Well, you cultivate it. You work on it. Ecclesiastes three, twelve and thirteen. I know that there is nothing better for them than to rejoice and do good in one's lifetime. Moreover, that every man who eats and drinks sees good in all his labor. It is the gift of God. You know, be good, do good, and be happy about the good. That's, that's his advice here in Proverbs. All right. Um, Isaiah 1, uh, looks like 17 through 20. Learn to do good. He's fixing to define it for us. Seek justice. Reprove the ruthless. Defend the orphan. Plead for the widow. Come now, let us reason together. In other words, think about it. Says the Lord, though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. If you consent and obey, you will eat the best of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. Truly the mouth of the Lord is spoken. Who's he talking to? The Israelites. What's he talking about? A physical land. A physical promise. Does this apply to us today? Think about it in a spiritual sense. 
How about this? If you consent and obey, you will possess the fruit of the Spirit. I mean, you think God's changed a lot between then and now with regard to how these things work, with what He does for us. You know, look at the content of this passage. Again, he says, learn to do good. Seek justice, reprove the ruthless, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. Does any of that verse 17 across the top sound like anything you ever read in the New Testament? Sure it does. Sure it does. All right. Well, so when we look at what he's given us, this definition of do good, does the Lord's definition match the world's? Now, you know, the world would probably embrace the last half of those instructions to some degree. But, you know, typically, the world not only rejects the basis of these things, but the how-to. You know, the world we live in rejects the how-to of the Bible. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. You want to have good kids, but don't spike them, you know. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. You know, it's, it's always... You know, maybe they'll take a piece or a part, but, you know, there's no idea of embracing God's plan for us. So I go to Jeremiah 4.22, and I find this verse. I'm like, wow, I didn't even know that was in there. For my people are foolish. They know me not. Uh, They are stupid children and have no understanding. They are shrewd to do evil. But to do good, they do not know. You know, he's talking about his people. And, and we, you know, we think, well, we're so much different than they are. You know, we got so much more, and we do. But, you know, when we forget these things, when we forget how to do good, and we forget his full definition of these things, when we run away from these things... What we're proving is that we haven't tried to learn what he says to do good. We haven't put our confidence in him. We haven't put our trust in him. That's how these things fail when we don't do what we're supposed to do, when we don't learn what we're supposed to do here. Um, So is it a new thing for people to misunderstand what it truly means to do good? It doesn't seem as if it is. Can the Lord's standard for doing good be high? This is in Luke chapter 6. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He Himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. I don't know about y'all, but that that really challenges uh, me. It's not a it's not that do good is easy. First uh, Timothy six. Starting in verse 17, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, 
to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. And then again, think about what is the treasure in this present life of a good foundation? We know what the treasure in the life to come is, and that's where our hope comes from. But to have these things now, you still need to have a good foundation, and you need to have trust in that foundation to to enjoy, you know, to, to think that the only benefit of submission to Him, His plan, and His will for us is just what lays in the future, um, I think is to disregard some of the promises that He's made us here with regard to these fruits of the Spirit. First Peter 3, For the one who desires life to love and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. He must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears attend to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So, you know, remember this idea, you know, the things that follow this idea of doing good, this idea of going away from evil. It's not the, there's not a stop sign after that. You keep going. So when we've been talking about these things, we've been saying, okay, you know, here's here's this, and what's the opposite of this? And you know, on in our uh, outline here, we decided that corruption was the opposite of this goodness. And you know, take a look at where this thing comes from. In Galatians six, for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. Again, going back to some of these things that Evan talks about, this sowing of seeds, that's, that's this idea of working. You're working towards the harvest. You're putting something in. You're making an investment. If you make an investment in your own flesh, in your own will, what's the fruit of that? Well, it's going to be the opposite of what we've been studying. Because if you want to get the fruit of the Spirit, you're going to have to sow to the Spirit. So, the question, what about do good or do right, sometimes we call it. Where does that come from? Well, do you unconsciously sow anything? Or do you decide, this is something I want to reap a harvest, do you decide ahead of time? And then do you begin to work in that direction? Do you begin to invest in that thing? Well, that's, you know, that's what you do. So, this do-good comes from making that investment. <clears throat> Is it possible for me to even be this person? And go to uh, this verse in Daniel is uh, pretty amazing. It says, Then the commissioners and satraps uh, began trying to find a ground of accusation against Daniel in regard to government affairs. But they could find no ground of accusation or evidence of corruption inasmuch as he was faithful. And no negligence or corruption was to be found in him. Um, 
so did Daniel just empty himself of corruption? Did he just empty himself of evil? Or did he replace it? Did he fill that with something else? I think I think that's what he did. I think he sowed for that fruit. I think he put effort into being that person. Well, maybe we all just need to try a little harder, which is always true. So one more thing. A couple of verses, one more thing. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. And going back to this farming thing, can you just plant and then just get tired of it and not pull the weeds and not do any of the other work and then expect that's going to work out? No, you can't really quit. You've got to keep working to the harvest, right? If you're going to harvest it, you've got to keep working to the harvest. You're working for a harvest. You work towards that. You know your work's not done. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people and especially to those that are of the household of faith. You know, the message here is that you don't give up. You look for places to exercise this goodness. Uh, You've got to be on the prowl, so to speak, looking for ways to be this person. When we were talking about the subject of kindness a couple weeks ago, you know, this is a for that for this stuff to work, you got to proactively be looking to put this stuff on. You know, it's it's one thing for you to just for you to possess this this secret. You know, he talked about this uh, secret protection or whatever. It's one thing for you to have it, but not only did he have it, but he did it. And that's our example, that we would have these things and that we would put them to work. So for, the, for those of y'all that are visitors, if you've got some questions or comments that you'd like to share, this next hour will be a follow-up on this same subject, and those things will be uh, appreciated. If you've got some things you'd like to discuss related to this subject, Matt will be up here in this next hour. But found this other verse and I thought it was just about we can just put it up here and this really pretty much could serve as an invitation and I think that's what we're going to let it do um, you know if you're focused if you're focused on this if your trust hope confidence are here do you need to be really worried about that And so if you find yourself kind of in the place where this stuff is just worrisome, you know, that you're bothered by these things, um, that you find that you're not filled with these other things, that, that somehow there's something short, you know, what I would say is if if you are subject to the invitation of God, if you would like the prayers and encouragement of the saints here if you'd like some help with some issue uh, what we would do is we'd invite you to come forward while we stand and sing this song